Well, hello and welcome. You are listening to The Spiritual Exercises. I'm Rachel Amaday, and today I don't have any intro music or outro music. I'm trying to start this new year with something new, and so hopefully I'm going to actually get to create something that will suit what we're going to talk about this year um, and the plans that I have. So, uh, I don't know, be waiting. That'll be a surprise, I guess, on one of these podcasts coming up here. Guys, I just got back from a 10-day trip, um, spent time in Israel, spent time in uh, Paris, and of course, my experience in Israel was very much centered around what happened biblically and what's going to happen according to biblical prophecy. And so I have some amazing stuff that I want to share with you all. And I'm just excited. I'm excited to be back. I'm tired. Um, I haven't been on one of those long flights in a long time. And I have to tell you, I'm really not made for it. I'm not built for it. I every once in a while get this kind of restless, restless leg syndrome thing. I was like, tortured the last hours of a couple of these flights. But um, I can't complain too much because I have to say, I feel like God just ordained the trip. He planned it out. He mapped it out. He kept the weather amazing. In fact, right down to the very last hour, he made it so that, you know, every flight, everything worked out absolutely perfectly. We had a flight coming into Colorado um, during this giant snowstorm that's literally happening right now today. And we were getting in last night and I just prayed. I was like, Lord, because I wanted to get home. Um, I went with my son, but I also have a daughter who I didn't get to take and my husband and I wanted to see them. And I prayed, God, please hold back that storm so we can get into Denver. And I kid you not, we got into Denver. It wasn't snowing. And then within I, I probably 30 minutes to an hour of us landing, the snow began. And so it felt like every detail of this trip was blessed and God just planned it and mapped it for me. And so I'm excited to share what I learned because some of what I experienced in Israel was really surprising. It was shocking. I, I kind of thought I would go out there and have a bunch of changes of heart or mind or that I would have, you know, areas of my book that I would want to change or shift. I, I thought I was going to have one experience, but I had something kind of different and so much more. And I, this wasn't a trip that I had long-term planned either. This was something that kind of came out of the blue. My sister's husband works for an Israeli company. They've lived all over the world in the last years. And she said, we are all going to go. He's got to do this business trip to Israel. We're all going to go. I want you to come. This was probably probably six weeks to two months before the trip. And I, I thought about it for about two seconds. And then I said, yes, I want to go. Um, and so it happened very last minute. I didn't know what the weather would be like there in January. It's not a popular time of the year to travel to these locations. Um, but God blessed this time. So I'm excited to share with you. So in that spirit, 
Uh, let's start. I'm going to share probably information from the trip for the next multiple podcasts I'm going to put together here for you all. I want to share pictures. I want to share video. I want to talk to you about some concepts that I talk about in my book, but that got confirmed while I was there in Israel by people I never expected to confirm it. And so um, I'd like to start this podcast today just telling you about my experience in Jerusalem. And I don't even know how to describe what Jerusalem, what old Jerusalem is really like. If you've been there, you get it, right? But if you have not been there, um, I'm going to try my best to give you an understanding of what it it is, what you feel when you're there. And it feels like the city has a heartbeat that it's completely its own. It almost is, it feels like it is the heart center of the world. It just has its own vibe. And it's just challenging to describe what it's like there. But in Old Jerusalem, you have this really small area with many different faiths and lineages layered in, kind of like different colored sand in a glass tube, right on top of each other, distinct. You can see them each, but very much together. Now, there are four different quarters in Old Jerusalem. There's the Armenian, the Christian, the Jewish, and the Muslim, and each has their own character. Now, the Temple Mount... um, specifically, that specific location is only always open to Muslims from all over the world. If you're Muslim, you can go there at any time. And our, it's interesting, we had a tour guide named Yasi, and he was uh, just unbelievable. But he was very eager to show us multiple checkpoints in which people could enter the Temple Mount only if they were Muslim. And what's really interesting is it's Israeli soldiers, it's Jewish soldiers that may, are making sure that only Muslims can enter. Other people can enter at specific times for a specific limited time, but the Temple Mount is really limited for non-Muslims. It's open only to Muslims. That it was very interesting. What an interesting, fascinating dynamic to have Israeli police forces ensuring that only Muslims can be on the Temple Mount fascinating dynamic going on in a very powder keg of an area already. Really interesting. Um, Now, the city of Jerusalem is built from limestone quarried, quarried from the hills around the city and in some Palestinian locations as well. But because they are by law only allowed to use this limestone, it since antiquity, by the way, the entire place has a particular look and feel. And in many ways, it just feels like it glows. This is a very warm, but bright and light stone. And so it's very artistic and it's very appropriate for the landscape. The way that this city just comes up out of the landscape is gorgeous. And because all the new and all the old match, it feels old. You know, it feels like it's all part of the same story. So In this podcast today, I want to focus on some portions of what we discovered here in Jerusalem and what our tour guide shared that confirmed what I communicate in my book. And it's really because of these moments that I was able to look up to heaven and just give so much glory to God 
for ordaining this trip and ordaining the people I would meet. And for each moment that I personally had not pre-planned, I didn't book this tour, by the way, or this tour guide. My sister uh, had booked these tours for all of us just to make sure we would all be on the same tours. She didn't know anything about the guides. I remember her sending me tour options. I didn't know about the different tour companies. I didn't know about the guides. And specifically what happened with this Jerusalem tour is we got assigned a tour guide that doesn't usually work with this particular tour group. He only does it every so often with them. He's usually a personal tour guide that you would hire, you know, for groups or personal tours. He was so knowledgeable and so good, but it was just this little interesting blessing that we got him for the day. So let's start because I want, I only really have time to talk to you today about one or two of the specific locations in Jerusalem. And I want to start with the very first place we visited early in the morning when we entered through one of the gates uh, in old Jerusalem. And it is so uniquely appropriate that it was our first stop. This place is called Christ Church Jerusalem. Now, um, what's really interesting about, well, we'll get into what's interesting about this church, but what you kind of start to notice and understand is each different church that we visited um, really exemplified the different faiths that were there in the city. And so the, at the Armenian church, what you'll notice about Armenian churches is they have a lot of icons. Iconography is a big part of Armenian churches. The Catholic churches, icons and statues, right? They they have these images of their saints. And, you know, th- this is a kind of a big deal in these churches. But at Christ Church in Jerusalem, there was none of that. There wasn't even a cross up on the wall. Uh, instead, you had this these beautiful stained glass windows. Windows, and I've provided pictures for you here that had trees and these trees had different symbols in them um, that that represented different things. And, you know, one of the stained glass windows has this tree that on one side has the picture of a cross and on the other side, a menorah. And then there's these branches that are cut off that are laying on the side of the tree. And what um, this lovely woman that Yossi convinced to come speak to us, who was part of the church and from the church, and she was, man, it was early in the morning. She was barely ready, but she was so great. She came, she got up and she spoke. She explained that this particular stained glass piece, what it meant was that, you know, the menorah is, is the the symbol really is the symbol of Judaism and it should be the symbol for Christianity as well. And that it's this root of, of the church given in the menorah, which is a tree itself, right? Combined, combined with what Christ did on the cross, that this creates this, we're grafted into this root. This is the family that God has created basically. And then she explained that the branches that were cut off from the tree, these are the branches that were cut off, but that God is going to graft in once again, the fulfillment of prophecy. So this beautiful story in the stained glass piece that has the symbolism that we, you know, we believe is really biblical and tells the story of our family, you know, God's family. Um, now this church that she's at, the Christ church in Jerusalem was specifically created for Jews who had received Yeshua as the Messiah 
but they also testify to, you know, the nations and others as well. And the woman explained that many Christians and Jews have separated the Old Testament from the New Testament, but that they know there is no delineation between the two. And her passionate testimony to our tour group was that Christ was from the beginning to the end of scripture. And that is why, according to the Christ Church website, the church has a fascinating history and is the only church in the old city that fully acknowledges the ancient Jewish roots in in its liturgy, symbols, and in its architecture. So in the pictures, you'll notice that the language written on that beautiful um, back wooden paneling is in Hebrew. There are no crosses again on the walls or anywhere else. As Yasi explained, the true symbolism of Judaism, the symbol that the ancient church would have understood was not a cross, but it was a menorah. So I feel that our tour guide showed us this church first for a reason. It's because it's the theological foundation of all that God is and will do and has done and will do in Jerusalem and the world to bring Judah into an understanding of the Messiah as Yeshua and to bring the nations, those that love Yeshua, into the true root that is what the ancient Jews and what Christ was teaching and what they understood. Now, the Christ Church was founded by Michael Solomon in 1842, a Jew who had come to know Yeshua as Messiah. He began his work in Jerusalem when it was a kind of a run-down, poverty-stricken place. And he did not get to see the beautiful building that you see in the pictures. He didn't get to see it finished. But the work that he started has continued to this day. According to the church's website, and I quote, Alexander was a lecturer of Hebrew and rabbinic literature at King's College London when he was chosen to be the first Anglican bishop in the Middle East. In addition to other work, he translated the Book of Common Prayer and the New Testament into Hebrew. He was an early advocate of the need for Christians to learn Hebrew and Jewish sources from the Second Temple period in order to better understand their faith. He was also convinced that the people of Israel would return to their promised land land. And once there, that God would pour out his Holy Spirit upon them and upon all mankind. (laughs) Wow. Uh, End quote. This was a really interesting character. So despite the lack of crosses in the church, the church is actually shaped like a cross and faces toward the temple in Jerusalem. Now, most churches are supposed to be facing east toward Jerusalem, right? But if you're in Jerusalem, then you're just facing toward the temple, whichever direction that is. Now, I doubt that Christ Church in Jerusalem believes all that I do or that they preach everything I agree with. But oddly enough, nobody does, right? You're never going to find a place that agrees with everything that you think. However, I just cannot get over the message that was preached to a secular tour group at the first location we visited in Jerusalem. And I left completely surprised and overwhelmed. And I was barely ready for the rest of the day in which we would experience each religious perspective and people group in Jerusalem and grapple with the long history that each of these has imprinted upon the city. We started with a place where I felt at home. We started with a place where I understood the symbolism. I understood that that this woman who got up, who's from the church, her passion for teaching that Jesus is in the Old Testament and that there is no separation between the Old and the New Testament, that Jesus was fulfilling prophecy and that he taught the laws of God and that we need to understand the roots of our faith 
it was so good for me to be there and to be there first on that day because what a reminder, what a foundation it set for everything else we would see. And it really actually helped to remind me um, of what I was feeling as I was viewing each of these different quarters and their churches and their iconography and their imagery and what was happening in those locations. Um, how cool to see that there's a group of people over there in old Jerusalem meeting every single week on the Sabbath and believing the way so much of the things that I believe and that we believe. And so it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. And I wanted to share that because um, Yasi told me it's not a place a lot of tour groups actually go because it's not one of those well-known, you know, it's not a church of the Holy Sepulcher. It's not the Wailing Wall, which we did visit and which was incredible, by the way. Um, It's not, you know, some of these other more well-known locations. It's not somewhere you would normally go to. But I don't know how he knew, but he must have known that I would have wanted to go there. So it was beautiful. Now, Yasi later on in the day would share with us that the Catholics and many other religions had a history of adopting the cultural trends and religious practices of those that they were attempting to convert, becoming the envy of basically every marketing guru right on the planet. But because they successfully converted much of the world to Catholicism. And he then stated bluntly that Judaism can never do this. It never attempts to convert others by adopting their ideas. In fact, scripturally, when the Israelites adopted the ideas of the nations, it was converting them away from God's truths, and they were always punished for this, right? So Yossi's point was really that the faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob should not make these sorts of deals in order to gain followers or power. Because it, it's no longer faith in the God of the Bible. It becomes a faith in something else. Can you imagine my shock to hear an Israeli man, an old Israeli man who is Jewish, all the way on the other side of the planet, who I've never met before, who I did not intend on encountering, telling me that what I wrote in my book was not only historically accurate, it's not only documented historically, and you can see it in the buildings in Jerusalem, by the way, but that the Jews, they know, they remember. They remember the stories in Exodus when their people fell away. And the practicing Jews understand that they can never compromise their faith like that. Because God hates it. And I just, I mean, he talked about uh, eating kosher and how healthy it is for you. (laughs) He talked about the Sabbath day. You guys, I was just in heaven. I really was. But I could not believe that God gave us a tour guide like that. Uh, What, um, I don't even know how to describe to you how I felt in, in these moments. And I, I just kept going, Yossi, you, you preach, man, preach. It was so good. Um, <clears throat> somehow, though, I, 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 as I think about it deep down, the reason why you're going to encounter somebody all the way around the world who understands this, who's read the Bible and, and understands this, and, and groups of people who've read the Bible and understand this, somehow deep down, I think we all know this. 
I think we just are in some level of denial sometimes, or we have an inability to deal with the discord of living a life separate from scriptural dictates while claiming to follow Yeshua. We want God to be what we want him to be instead of wanting him as he says he is in scripture. And it was very beautiful for me, at least, to encounter, very meaningful for me to encounter uh, other people on this trip who understood the sacredness of what the Bible teaches and that in our attempts to change it, we steal from the truth about who God really is. Um, I really did think that perhaps I'd go to Jerusalem and just be shown all the inaccuracies in my book. And I thought I'd come back with a bunch of revisions. You know, despite all my research, I really thought I'm going to come back. I'm going to want to revise things. And I'm open to that. I was completely ready for that. But as I'm going to continue to share with you in the coming weeks, what I saw there convinced me and convicted me even more deeply. We must move away from man-made doctrine. We must stop teaching that we can make what belongs to paganism the Lord's. We've got to repent of trying to force things upon our holy God that don't belong to him, that he never asked for, nor does he want this is not right. And and I, I am really, it's going to be fascinating to share with you because I got to see all these beautiful Catholic churches and chapels that seemed completely strange in the environments they were put in. And they're the most, you know, beautiful things in the locations they're put in in some ways and very artistic. But then when you see what's going on in them and when you watch the services in them and when you see what it's really like there, I think you understand why God said, do not worship me the way the nations worship their gods. There is a lot of um, worship that feels idolatrous because it's icon worship. It's, um, and, and listen, we get so many of our ideas. We get our Sunday Sabbath day. We get our Easter and Christmas. We get all this stuff from that root. And when you see it in person in these really holy locations, um, it really changes your view and it, it, it solidified it solidified my belief that we need to understand just like, um, just like the man who built the Christ church there in Jerusalem, understand the Jewish roots of our faith. We need to understand more Hebrew. We need to understand what the old Testament is really teaching. So we can really understand who Yeshua is. God will return to Jerusalem and that is the city he will reign from. He will restore the ways he laid out, not adopt the new ones we made up. This is what the Bible has prophesied. This is what the Bible teaches. And you can actually go to Jerusalem and see it with your own eyes. That is his place. And if you're one of his people, you long to see him rule and reign in that old city that feels just full of memory. When I share again later on everything else that I saw, I hope this comes together for you as well. I hope I can paint a picture for you as well as share the pictures that I took and inspire you to go on your own and ask the Lord to lay out that opportunity because I am just blessed that I got to see it. I have to, I can't tell you how excited 
I was to go and how excited I am to be back and say, yes, I got to see some, just just a tiny corner of that incredible location. And I plan on going back. You guys, I I just shouldn't even continue on. That's plenty for today. Please feel free to reach out with any questions um, or thoughts about this podcast. And um, I hope you all are having a blessed week. All right, till next time.